That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm David Brody. It's Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021. And today, Democrats are about to suffer a big loss on their biggest legislative priority. So let's all say it together, folks. H.R. 1 is toast. Democrats made it their top priority because basically they want to federalize elections and allow everyone to get a mail-in ballot and pretty much allow you to show up and vote anywhere in America without an ID. But today, Democrats will need 60 votes to even begin debate on the bill. And guess what? They're getting nowhere near 60. As a matter of fact, they might not even get every single Democrat if Joe Manchin votes no. We're going to have more in a moment. Also today, Stacey Abrams and election shenanigans in Georgia. What was her role in the 2020 election down in disputed Fulton County? And also, why was a Nigerian national, a Nigerian citizen, why was he the technician selected by Dominion Voting Systems down in Fulton County? Have you heard about this? Well, RAV investigative reporter Heather Mullins will be here to explain. And the day after our exclusive interview with former President Trump, it's generating quite a few headlines. We're going to take a deeper look as to what his comments mean for the upcoming 2022 midterms. And also, by the way, YouTube not happy with the interview. More on that a little later. First, though, to H.R. 1. We may want to retitle it H.R. Done, as in it ain't going to happen. The Senate votes on a motion to debate it later today. The votes just aren't there. So here's Chucky, also known as Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Republicans claim they're making it easier to vote and harder to cheat in an election. In reality, they're making it harder to vote and easier to cheat in an election. We all know it. And all we want to do here is debate it. Regular order. Regular order which colleagues on both sides of the aisle have asked for. That's what we're asking for here, just to debate these things. And they won't even do that because they're so afraid of what that debate will show, that this is not election integrity, but this is voter suppression and voter suppression directed only at one group of voters. Yada, 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 yada. I just want regular order. I'm Chucky. I just want regular order. As for Republicans, they are sticking together on their opposition to H.R. 1. Even the rhinos are with the GOP on this one. Here's Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Well, um, I think all of you surely know how all Republicans feel about this uh, proposal. It's a solution in search of a problem. Uh, the rationale for it has changed over the years. After the 2016 election, the same bill was introduced in the House, and as soon as they got the majority, uh, they passed it, and the rationale at that point was we needed to clean the system up. Then they liked the outcome of the 2020 election, and so the rationale became we need to prevent states from somehow making it more difficult for people to vote. I've, I've taken a look at all these new state laws. None of them are designed to suppress the vote. Uh, there is no 
Okay, well, he goes on. You get the idea. Uh, let's get some reaction to all of this and touch on some other news of the day with Jordan Seculo, the executive director of the American Center for Law and Justice. Uh, Jordan, appreciate you being here, sir. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. Well, your thoughts then uh, to start with H.R. 1 about the looming defeat of H.R. 1. Yeah, I think it's the bigger picture, uh, which is that H.R. 1 uh, will go down today, but the, uh, the debate over changing the filibuster uh, is going to start if they get the 50 votes. So if, if they get the, sh the show of, hey, if we didn't have the filibuster, this would become the law. Uh, so they keep the Democrats together. And I think Joe Manchin started to indicate more and more throughout today that it looks like he's he's uh, moved from being a no vote to a yes vote in a matter of 10 days since he wrote an op-ed saying he was definitely a no vote on this. And then uh, Kristen Cinema out of uh, Arizona, she's put out her op-ed you know, an hour ago saying she is against uh, uh, changes uh, to the filibuster, but wants to have the debate on changing or getting rid of the filibuster thinks we have to have that now. So if you if you want to have a debate, you're open to potentially changing your mind or changing your view or even changing the filibuster uh, just for an issue like, oh, well, if it's voting rights, we don't we won't have the 60 vote threshold. So while I think it's a a victory for Republicans in the short term and we're starting to see good actions at the state level, uh, to correct some of the wrongs from 2020 uh, so we don't see the repeats of that, even if there is a, a pandemic or issues that we have to deal with. But that secondary issue, getting to the filibuster, that, that is a real uh, debate. And I think if they keep all 50 Democrats together, that's where they want to take us next. I think it's a great point, Jordan. In other words, they'll, they'll lose the battle today, but we'll see if they win the war, which is the filibuster for sure. Uh, let me transition to former President Trump. He was on this show yesterday. This is what yep. he said. Uh, he made some major headlines, uh, and it's growing as we speak, about these specific words. Have a look. I want to start with something you told Sean Hannity uh, last week. The headlines were about how you admitted defeat in the 2020 election when you said we didn't win. Is that an accurate headline? Did, did you admit defeat? I just want to understand that. No, I never admitted defeat. We have a, a lot of things happening right now. I think that that was an election that was, I don't think, all you have to do is read the newspapers and see what's coming out now. No, I never, the word is concede. I have not conceded. That I've not conceded. So he's talking about the word concede. What, what's your take on, on what he's saying there, Jordan, as it relates to uh, a lot of what we're seeing in 2020 and some of the shenanigans in these states? Yeah, I think it's the competing worldview of, of our electoral process. So if you saw 2016, and it was like how uh, Leader McConnell was talking about, well, they didn't like the outcome of that, so we need to have this reform. Then there were all these changes in 2020 at the state level done on a, what we were told was a temporary basis. We had a lot of problems with this. Uh, President Trump had a lot of problems with the campaign, that some of this was litigated, some of it was not, because ultimately uh, this was happening at kind of the speed of light, these legal changes uh, to the state's voting. But they liked that outcome, so now they want to submit these changes that were done for on a temporary basis. And I think, I think it's whether you like those changes or not, it's, it's up to the states, and that is where this debate should be. It should not be in Washington, D.C., on trying to mandate how each state handles early voting or each state handles what a what voter ID works. It, it's based, it should be based on the population, the size, the demographics, all the things that deal with at the state level that the federal government isn't good at dealing with. So I, I think the, the president has – well, uh, President Trump uh, – we need to. We want to put forward these kind of reforms at the state level, 
so that people won't have those questions, at least about the next election. We don't want to go through this again as a, as a country, uh, uh, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on. It's how you think the problem should be addressed. And I think conservatives, we believe it should be addressed at the local level, at the state level, uh, where, where the voters have the most connection to their legislators. And the opposing view is, hey, let's, let's mandate the, what we'd like at the federal level. And I, I think, listen, if the Democrats got their way on this piece of legislation, it'd be tough to see how in the, the next you know, decade, how are you going to beat them? Right. Uh, because they're, they're putting forward everything in place uh, that they know how to utilize. And we saw uh, these kind of uh, surprising numbers you know, start turning out uh, from the mandated mail-in yeah. ballots. Yeah, you're not going to be able to really put the genie back in the bottle if that's the case. No, no there's no doubt about it. No. Uh, I want to ask you about the new uh, Iranian president, uh, why well, I have you here, because this is, you know, obviously right up your alley at ACLJ. Uh, there's an actual article talking about Iran's sham election winner, the Iranian president there, should be indicted for mass murder. I mean, th th there's, I mean, this is a hardliner, Jordan. It, it is. So unlike Ahmadinejad, also a hardliner, but he was like more of an activist. And so he was he was kind of gritty and and uh, had a different kind of persona. He wasn't a cleric. Then we had Rouhani put in place. That was, uh, again, someone to put a different, softer kind of face, but a cleric, uh, someone who was more in line with like the Ayatollah. And then now with this choice of Raisi, I mean, people need to know this is a guy known as the hangman of Tehran. He has he has seen the extrajudicial killings of thousands, I mean, mass murder of thousands of Iranians who were uh, nonviolent opponents of the revolution in 1979. So not these were, again, nonviolent actors, and he saw that, that they were executed, uh, pregnant women tortured. So he's, he's, a, he's got sanctions on him from the United States. Uh, there are issues you know, we don't always agree with Amnesty International, but there's worldwide condemnation that he is he should be uh, tried on crimes against humanity uh, and for what he's done to his own people. But it's also, as uh, uh, the, the new prime minister of Israel said, Naftali Bennett, it's like one more wake-up call chance yeah. for the United States and Western powers who are in that negotiation on this nuclear deal. And yet it doesn't seem, they, they haven't shifted at all. No. You know, their new is, well, he's not really... It's the Ayatollah. Well, the Ayatollah chose him, yep. put him in place. A radical, a religious dictator. That is not a good. That's not a good option. And yet, that's where Jake Sullivan and the the Biden team are going. Uh, but yeah. this is Iran, someone like this in charge at all these different levels, and still the world is begging them for a deal. They're in a position of strength, and that that's a bad thing for the United States. It's yeah. bad for our allies. But those Gulf states as well. Jordan Seculo, great insight on this. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Jordan. All right, uh, we've got a lot more show uh, coming up. We've got Heather Mullins, investigative reporter, dealing with Fulton County, Georgia. Wait to hear what she has uncovered. Back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Fulton County, Georgia. We had the president of the United States, excuse me, my bad, the former president of the United States uh, on with us yesterday on this show uh, where uh, President Trump talked specifically about what was happening down in Georgia. They're having all sorts. It's, it's a mess down there. I mean, uh, what kind of shenanigans are exactly happening? What's going on with the ballots? Are we going to have another review, a judge in the middle of that? But anyhow, we'll get to that in a moment. Here's what the president talked to us about yesterday about regarding Georgia. So I want to ask you about uh, Georgia and uh, Arizona, the audit going out there. What should happen in your mind if Arizona and Georgia come back with fully verified evidence of voter fraud? That, what do you think should happen? Well, I think they will come back with that. And I think uh, other states are also going to come back with that. And it's going to be uh, determined what's going to happen. That's not up to me. That's up to the public. That's up to a lot of people, I guess. But uh, if the election was determined to be a fraud, and it's looking more and more like that uh, is the case, I mean, people are going to have to make a determination as to what's going to happen. Well, to be continued, right? The Just the News headline uh, from today shows exactly that. A Georgia judge does not immediately decide on motions to dismiss in this ballot case. So there's a lot to unpack here, so let's do that with Heather Mullins, who we call her uh, the Real America's Voice, a reporter for Real America's Voice, but let's be honest, uh, she is an investigative reporter for Real America's Voice because she is digging for the truth and she joins us now on the water cooler, really one of the best in the, in the nation. Uh, Heather, thanks for being here. Thanks so much, David. It's always a pleasure being on your show. Well, well talk to us about, uh, there's so much to unpack with Georgia. Come, why don't we start with the 30,000-foot view with the ballot case and the judge and all that. Where are we on that? And then we'll get into some more specifics after that. Yeah, so as far as um, there, the motions to dismiss that you had just referenced in that Just the News headline, what that specifically is, um, the, as you know, the two top Georgia criminal defense attorneys that have now been retained by Fulton County Board of Registration and Elections filed those motions. And what the motions do is it basically tries to remove them from responsibility, claiming that citizens don't have the right to sue uh, the Board of Registration and Elections. So uh, it's not necessarily going to dismiss the, the case from moving forward. In fact, a Fulton County official yesterday at the hearing said that uh, the judge has already ordered the unsealing of the ballots and that portion of it is going to be moving forward. This is to dismiss them, uh, the Board of Registration Elections, as a defendant in the case. So a little bit uh, different there. And so the motions that were heard yesterday, uh, the judge said he's going to take them under advisory. Uh, once he makes his decision, the county is going to have seven days to respond. So that's where we're at with that case. Okay, I want to get to Stacey Abrams and her role potentially in all this in a moment. But first, talk to me about some of this, uh, what, a deposition from this video testimony that you've seen regarding a Nigerian national that apparently was, what, uh, hired by Dominion to, to in essence, kind of, what, be a technician in Fulton County regarding ballots? What in the world is going on there? Yeah, David. So yesterday I ended up um, going out and, and, and talking with Bridget Thorne, and she's the one who, one of, she's been working for the election in Fulton County for years. And in this past election, one of her jobs was to print test ballots on official roll, voter roll paper in the Dominion warehouse. Well, she testified and gave a sworn affidavit saying stacks of those ballots were missing. And she brought to my attention yesterday when I was talking with her that a man named Dominic Alamo was apparently 
the Fulton County Dominion technician running the basically running everything for Dominion in that county. And as it turns out, he's actually a Nigerian citizen. And so I came across a 170 page uh, videotaped deposition from him. And now this is basically uh, in a case that's Donna Curling v. Brad Raffensperger. Uh, the depositions from September 4th, 2020. And he actually goes into detail exactly what his role is for Dominion. And he does everything um, from basically managing the EMS server that runs the two programs that are used to program ballot marking devices, poll worker cards, image cast precinct printers and scanners, compact flash cards, as well as what's called the RTR, the results tally record that collects all of the results in I mean, this is a Nigerian citizen that is tasked with running all of this stuff for Dominion. It really begs the question, was there no American citizen available in this in the state of Georgia that could run these programs? Why are we contracting foreign run our elections, David. You, we, we, you cannot make this stuff up. You're telling me there was not a United States citizen running the EMS server of Dominion in Fulton County. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. And Brad Raffensperger's office <laughs> knew about it. This video depositions from September 4th, 2020, and Raffensperger's office is a party in the case. So wow. they knew that this happened. How does this not raise a red flag? Yeah. And we're actually that the company Happy Faces, the one that uh, going to Stacey Abrams, apparently a company now account that she co-founded, uh, control six or control, she controls sixteen percent of that company. They fund and pay the debt for Happy Faces, which supplies temp workers to run our elections. And what I'm hearing from people in Fulton County is that some Nigerian citizens are also affiliated with. So this is a really interesting breaking sort of uh, story that I'm digging deeper and deeper into. But I, you can't We had Nigerian citizens running our, I mean, how is this not a national security threat when the very software that programs our elections and collects the results is being run by a man who doesn't have U.S. citizenship? Could, could maybe the liberal media, uh, I don't know, uh, take a look at what's happening with Ni the Nigerian community in Fulton County? What in the world is happening? Uh, look, I can't, you can't make this stuff up. This is like a movie. I mean, th this well, is. I'm trying to like dig a little deeper into the U.S.-Nigeria relationship here. And if you go on the U.S. Department of State website, there's actually a travel warning saying don't go there uh, due to crime, terrorism, civil unrest, kidnapping, and maritime crime. So we as Americans are told not to go to Nigeria right now, but yet we have Nigerian citizens running our elections in Fulton County. Well, and there Can you have it. And this is why Heather Mullins, not only are you on the water cooler, but you're one of the best investigative reporters in America. I really appreciate this information. Thank you. And I know our viewers appreciate it as well. Thank you so much, David. All right. And, and, and here's a news flash for you. You ain't seeing that tonight on NBC Nightly News. So don't even try or ABC or CBS or any of the other legacy media. They're not going to report it. Not only are they not going to report it, they're not going to look. They're not going to investigate. They're not going to win a Pulitzer. They're not going to do anything. Heather Mullins, on the other hand, is giving you the real truth of what's going on. Back in a moment. Wow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Quick program. Can I speak program? What is that? I'd say let's do, let's, let's do that again, but... Let's not, shall we? Uh, tonight on June 22nd, that's tonight, actually, at 8 o'clock Eastern, Just the News is hosting a televised one-hour event. It's called Securing Our Elections, Protecting Your Vote. It's hosted by, oh, John Solomon. I know him. Make sure to tune in to this exciting event. It is exciting. It will be exciting. Tonight, June 22nd, 8 p.m. Eastern, airing on Real America's Voice. And I got to tell you, I'm taking care of my granddaughter this week, so I might have to TiVo that situation because I might be passed out at 8 o'clock Eastern. All right, let's get to Nathan Gonzalez, shall we, the editor of Inside Elections, uh, who joins us now on the water cooler. Nathan, good to see you, sir. Good to see you. you you've, uh, you've lost your touch. You, you need more endurance uh, to hang out with your granddaughter. <laughs> I do. Listen, this just in, I, you know, I, can, I can't keep up. You know, it's downstairs, it's upstairs, it's inside, it's outside. Uh, anyhow, sorry, that's my own personal issue. All right. Uh, what did you think of some of the Trump interview yesterday? Because I did ask him about reinstatement. He punted that. Yeah, what, what I don't understand is um, for, for a party that talks about the Constitution and upholding the Constitution, particularly when it comes to reinstatement, I'm not sure if the Republicans or President Trump know that the Constitution doesn't talk about reinstatement. Reinstatement is not a thing. And so when he chose not to answer your question, I'm not sure if it's because he knows that's not a thing or or not. And and so it just, uh, you know, there are ways that I guess uh, the president, President Trump could become uh, could become president again. What, let's say um, he becomes Speaker of the House and Republican majorities impeach and remove both President and Vice President Kamala Harris. So the Speaker would ascend. I guess that's the scenario. But there just isn't and there isn't reinstatement is not a thing in the Constitution. And that is 100 percent accurate. We can confirm that here on the show. The only vehicle for well, it's not even a vehicle, but the only way you're going to remove a president is, is indeed impeachment. Uh, for sure. So, all right. Good to know. Uh, let me play this from the interview and let's get your reaction to this. This is where he talked about uh, 2024 and, and the midterms, because that's what I want to talk to you about on this. Uh, have a look. On 2024, by the way, here, here's my take, and I, I'm curious to get your take. Would it be accurate to say that if a supermajority of the candidates that you're supporting right now, if they win in, in the midterms and Republicans take back the House and the Senate, uh, that would make it more likely that you would run at that point? Is that true? What do you think? No, I don't think so, but I think that's what is going to happen. My endorsements have meant a lot. We're almost undefeated, very close to undefeated, and hundreds and hundreds of endorsements, uh, people win. Uh, we just had the Republican Party chair in North Carolina and in uh, Georgia and other places. We just had congressional candidates, but I mean, hundreds of endorsements. And our record is, I think, unmatched anywhere at any time. So I'm working to gain the majority first. And I think it would be, I think it's very important that we do that. I don't know that would have any impact on my decision, however. What would have that impact on your decision? What's going through your mind on that? A lot of people want to know. Well, I think I'm just looking at uh, 
what's going on. I'm very unhappy with what's going on. I look at the border where people are coming in by the millions. It's going to be by the millions very soon. Mm -hmm. It already is. Uh, and I look at uh, other things, how our country is really, it's America last. I was America first. I look at it and I see what's happening and I'm not happy about it. So we'll, we'll make that decision. And I think people will be very happy with the decision I make. I, what did you glean from that answer, Nathan? Well, I've convinced myself that he's going to run again. I think, you know, you asked him what are the situations that he wouldn't run. I think a health issue or a significant legal issue. I'm not just talking about a little indictment here or there from New York, uh, you know, a significant legal issue. I think those are the only two ways, because when we talk about the midterm elections, I think no matter what happens, he's going to use that as justification to run. For example, if Republicans do indeed have a great midterm, they win back the House, maybe they get the Senate, too. He's going to take credit, right? He's going to talk about all those races where he endorsed, where he did rallies, and he's going to use that as an impetus to run. Let's say things go sideways in the midterms and, and Democrats somehow hold on to slim majorities. He's going to say, you know what, Republicans, you needed more of me. You needed me on the ballot. You needed you needed me to get the job done. And here I am in 2024 to get that job done. So I, I think he's going to run again. I think that is such great analysis. I agree with you 100 percent. I think either way, he'll 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 spin it a, a certain way, though. Uh, clearly, uh, and I don't want to get into too many sources that, that I've been talking to, but I do also get the sense that I think at this point he is going to run and then just the question becomes, you know, uh, how, how that looks, though, though, clearly, uh, if some of the candidates, though, that he's endorsing uh, self-combust and, they, you know, they, they, it just becomes a problem. I mean, that that could that could be an issue because then, then there's going to be some real soul searching within the Republican Party. Uh, even if even if Trump's not soul searching, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him not to run if his candidates don't come through. Yeah, it's just up to this point. He's done a good job of deflecting the blame for those. You know, he'll he'll blame the candidate himself or herself. Right. Like she did something wrong or she said something. There's always a reason why he's not specifically responsible for those losses. So I think he'll try to explain it away. And so far, until um, enough primary voters, base Republican voters move away from President Trump for whatever reason, he's still going to have influence over over the party. And, uh, you know, well, let's just take 2020. You know, he went to Georgia for rallies before those runoff elections. Arguably, he wasn't as focused on the races uh, at hand in the Senate as he was on on the presidential race that was already done. And that arguably cost Republicans the Senate. But no, no Republican prime, no Republican primary voting is blaming President Trump for losing the United States Senate. Well, that's true. I got 30 seconds or so, but I, I got to ask you about Ohio. He's going to Ohio this weekend. Uh, what's your take of what's happening in Ohio with some of the congressional, uh, the terrain there and also the, the Senate race, too? Well, you know, He's already backed that challenger to Anthony, to Congressman Anthony Gonzalez that he talked about in your interview. Uh, but I'm interested to see whether he endorses a candidate in the United States Senate race. It's an open seat because Rob Portman is not running. It's a wide open race. There's a handful of candidates. The top contenders are probably a uh, former treasurer, Josh Mandel, and former state party chairwoman, Jane Timken. Uh, but there are a couple other uh, candidates in the race, including a former donor uh, to the Trump campaign. So I, I'm interested in North Carolina. You know, he came out with an endorsement in that Senate race when he yeah. was there. So I'm wondering if he does the same thing in Ohio. Nathan Gonzalez, I appreciate your insight. Uh, great stuff. Love having you on the show. Thanks so much, sir. Thank you.
All right. Uh, yeah, and he mentioned Josh Mandel, who's been on the show quite a few times. Look, he's trolling. <laughs> Josh Mandel is trolling for that Trump endorsement. And if he gets it, obviously, it would be, can I say the word? Huge. Uh, we're back in a moment with uh, Dan Grant. If you want to vote, or excuse me, if you want to invest in unwokeness, check out our next segment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Bit of a change of topic. I'm excited for this segment uh, because here's a question for you. Okay, all this wokeness that's out there. What if you want to be unwoke? In other words, regular, straight (laughs) straight up. Uh, So there are investment options. Uh, for the unwoke. Look, a Wall Street Journal opinion authored by a man by the name of Dan Grant, Daniel Grant. Uh, And we want to talk more about that specifically with Dan Grant, who joins us here on the water cooler. He's the co-founder and CEO of Second Vote Advisors. Uh, Dan, great to have you on the show, sir. Uh, David, thank you for having me. Well, tell us about the company because people are looking, I mean, people are tired of the wokeness and this seems to speak to it from a business perspective. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the economic model that underpins our country is under attack. Uh, for the last hundred years, shareholders have been at the center of what companies have done. And now groups like the World Economic Forum, led by Klaus Schwab, is saying that companies should no longer be run just for the benefit of shareholders, but for the benefit of all stakeholders, the good of all stakeholders. The problem is That could include the environment, society at large, and the definition of good of Klaus Schwab does not match the definition of good of your viewers, of libertarians, and of conservatives. What they're saying is that corporations should no longer focus on traditional charity. You know, we're saying companies should be run for the benefit of profits for shareholders and traditional charity, helping the poor, the sick, the needy. But Twitter dumping Trump, Amazon dumping parlor, that is not traditional charity. That is social justice activism. And that activism hurts the brands, it hurts the cash flows, and it ultimately hurts the stock prices of all of these companies involved. And we founded a company, Second Vote Advisors, that we use the research of Second Vote, and they score companies on a scale of one to five. One is liberal, three is neutral, five is conservative. And our funds avoid the companies that are rated one or two, which are liberal. We focus on companies that are neutral or conservative. So companies that stay out of social justice engineering and focus on profits are available to be invested in with our funds. And we're an activist company. We then go to these companies and their boards and these uh, CEOs and we say, stop with the madness, stop with the social justice engineering on the one issues that we've identified, and then we work with them on other issues to improve the ratings of those companies. Yeah, this is this is all fascinating to me. So, so if I call you up and I want to uh, invest uh, in some sort of portfolio, will there be then like some sort of uh, sheet or a, a, a tip sheet of like you know here here are the threes, the fours, the fives? I mean, how how do you work? How do how does people sift through some of these companies then? 
So you buy our stock like you'd buy any other stock. So if you're on an open platform like an E-Trade, you put in our ticker symbols. So we have publicly traded ETFs. The ticker, uh, one of them is EGIS. The other is LIFE, L-Y-F-E. So a company is uh, staying out of the pro-abortion agenda, is neutral to conservative on the life issue. They are available to be invested by our company. Um, you can call your broker and they will have the fact sheet. So it'll have the rating system, how we look at companies, which is very different. You know, in the 20th century, conservative investors could rely on the biblically responsible funds to invest somewhat conservatively. Today, uh, you really need to look beyond how a company generates its revenue. You have to look at how a company puts its profits to work. You have to look at its philanthropy, its charity, you know, what the lobbying efforts of these companies are. In the 1990s, people didn't have to worry about their telecommunications provider or their software provider supporting pro-abortion causes or were against the First or Second Amendment. But today, you have to worry about all of these things. You have to look beyond where companies are generating the revenue, and you have to look at where they are using their profits. Because in five or 10 years, if this isn't addressed, it is going to be a big problem. I want to get to that in one moment. Uh, we also saw another Wall Street Journal headline uh, talking about these Trump allies basically promoting portfolios that are targeting unwoke investors. So it does seem like this is, is gaining steam around the country. You know, we are trying, but I'll tell you, we are up against a wall of capital on the other side. This stakeholder capitalists are backing what is called environmental social governance investing or ESG investing. And there is literally trillions of dollars behind it. The, the world's largest asset manager is BlackRock, and they have a stewardship team, which is sounds great. But that stewardship team is approaching 500 companies a quarter and telling those companies they need to hit ESG metrics metrics set by the left or they will start voting them out and the asset managers out there today are absolutely doing that they are following through on those threats let me ask you a little bit about someone that obviously wants to to, to make some money clearly uh, in the stock market what, what about how do you relieve their concerns about maybe there are some woke companies whether they be the deltas and the coca-colas or whatever they are out there that and I'm not saying those specific ones, but there are some woke companies, obviously, that do very well. So how do you how do you kind of manage that uh, criticism to say, hey, well, why why would I stay away from them? Because they are making some good good money. I might do better with going with them anyhow. Right. And uh, so what I would say is, first of all, you have to look at our funds and their performance. So through the first quarter, Aegis was up 20.8 percent and the market was only up 10.7 percent. Mm -hmm. Our life fund was up 14 percent. The market was up 10%. So our thesis is being borne out in our performance, number one. Number two, we are going to these companies. You know, Unfortunately, 73% of the S&P 500 rates on a composite one or two. 27% rate neutral. No company has an overall conservative score in the S&P 500. So we have to pick our battles. We go to companies and we say, company A, Thank you for being strong on the Second Amendment, or thank you for being neutral on the Second Amendment, but you are woke on these three, four, five other issues. We want to work with you. And that is very similar to President Reagan. Somebody once asked mm -hmm. President Reagan, why are you working with this person who doesn't agree on all the issues? And he said, they're, they're our 80% friend, not our 20% enemy. In many cases, we only have 20% friends left, and we have to work with them 
where we have common ground. For sure. This sounds like put your money where your mouth is, literally. So uh, really appreciate it. All right, Dan Grant, a co-founder and CEO of Second Vote Advisors. Uh, great, great company. Uh, really giving people a lot to think about. Thanks for being here, Dan. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, David. Yeah, great stuff. Boy, I tell you what. Uh, so think about it, right? You, you, you're not into the Planned Parenthood, the whole pro-choice, pro-abortion thing, and you, you, you have a pro-life company or I say pro-life, you're a pro-lifer, you invest in the, the fund there. I mean, that that is a way to get back, so to speak, at the, the wokeness that has basically, uh, well, it's destroying our country. I mean, let's just be honest about it. All right, when we come back, uh, the last sip, we're going to talk about that Trump interview from yesterday that we conducted here at Real America's Voice and Just the News. We'll talk about some of uh, my comments in a moment. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. We mentioned at the top of the show that the President Trump interview that we did here on the Water Cooler on Monday is reverberating around the country. True, it's also uh, reverberating on YouTube, and here's why. Uh, take a look at this. The Real America's Voice YouTube channel has been taken down, or specifically even one strike. I want to read this to you uh, from YouTube. It says, hi, Real America's Voice. Our team has reviewed your content, and unfortunately, we think it violates our spam, deceptive practices, and scams policy. We've removed the following content from YouTube, and there you see. They have removed President Trump's interview where he talks about being reinstated. I'm not going to comment on that. And there's other things. It's the whole interview that they removed. They go on to say uh, this. We know that this might be disappointing, but it's important to us that YouTube is a safe place for all. I feel like reading it like this. If content breaks our rules, we remove it. If you think we made a mistake, you can appeal and we'll take another look. Keep reading for more details. And then how about this? This is how they say your content violated the policy. It's content that advances false claims that widespread fraud, errors, or glitches change the outcome of the U.S. 2020 presidential election, and that's not allowed on YouTube. Let me ask you a question real quick, YouTube. Why isn't free speech allowed on YouTube? Oh, oh, right. Sorry. I just heard crickets. You have no answer. You have no answer, okay? Hey, YouTube. I got news for you. Have you checked out what's happening in Fulton County? Have you checked out what's happening in Arizona? Have you checked out what's happening in Michigan? Have you checked out what's happening, about to happen in Pennsylvania? And I can go on and on. But here's the point. I'm not going to start saying 100% Arizona and Pennsylvania and Fulton County. That's not what I'm here to do, okay? I'm not here to do that at all. What I am here to do is advocate for free speech. I'm here to advocate for enough of the big tech censorship. By the way, let me explain real quick what YouTube has decided to do. They've taken down the video. They say that Real America's Voice cannot upload any videos for a week. They got a hard strike is what they call it. Strike one. Strike two, it becomes longer. Strike three, you're banned. That's, that's what YouTube has said. So let me ask you a quick question. If this interview was reversed and was played on CNN, 
for example, and it was, let's say, Stacey Abrams saying this, or which, by the way, she has not still conceded defeat in Georgia, by the way. But if they played a Stacey Abrams uh, interview on CNN, you think YouTube would then uh, take that down if CNN decided to post it on their YouTube channel? Whatever? Give me a break. This is big tech censorship against folks that are conservative. Ridiculous. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. everybody uh, end of the show and that means boom let's do the transition of the two shot shall we awesome let's time it ready go oh that was so nice joe weber hey here i'm doing well oh, here's what justin is by the way you're the news editor i am indeed yes yes and so therefore you have news what what news do you have former president obama has weighed in on the we the people act hr1 sr1 mm-hmm. which is the democrats <clears throat> big sweeping voter reform rule mm-hmm. law uh, he says he doesn't like to get involved in the uh, daily scrum, but he's going to weigh in on this. Of course he is. What right. is he saying? But he's, <laughs> if you remember before, he said that years in, in years past, he didn't want to get involved in the daily horse race. He didn't like the daily horse race, but he sort of changed his language, but it's the same. Uh, nevertheless, he thinks that uh, it needs to happen now. He said before this type of shenanigans that happened on January 6th happened again, which is an interesting choice of word. Yeah. <clears throat> Likewise, he said that, you know, taking a look vis-a-vis what's happening in states like Georgia and Texas where Republican governors and legislatures are you know, trying to bolster and strengthen and enhance uh, voter laws so that, you know, there's no additional or more voter fraud. Um, I find it interesting that um, in the politics of it all, I guess he feels like, uh, as, a, as one of the leading voices of a Demo- the Democrats, and even to weigh in on this, but to some extent, who gets behind a bill that's destined to fail? I mean, no one does that in Washington, mm-hmm. um, which is curious, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, other than it just is all a 2022, you know, it's it's all a posture yeah. for 2022 yeah. and just, you know, make it a yeah. rally. One last quick point about that. He said just we need to mm-hmm. do this before 2022 mm-hmm. and the midterms um, because, he, mm-hmm. you know, most pollsters say the Republicans are going to win the majority as typically the member of the party that's not in the White House <laughs> wins in the year after. And he would know because he used the word shellac. Because he, he got was, a shellac. Because he got shellac, right? right? So he would know. Yeah. Well, tell me, we've got about 30 seconds, yeah, but I want one, you to get to this other story. Yeah, one last about. thing. As the uh, speaker's uh, lobby yeah. opened today, and uh, that's the first time it was marginally shut down or limited during the pandemic, and then really shut down after January 6th uh, insurrection in which 35-year-old military veteran Ashley Babbitt uh, was shot trying to get in there. And I know we were talking a little bit about, you know, before the show started, about, you remember the big glass vase, and you'd put your card in there? Sure. and. Some clerk would be there and he would say, you know, Mr. Brody from CBM would like to speak with you and then yeah. he would get there. But now it's been replaced by magnetometers. Well, and this is this is America today. This is a new world, yeah. yeah unbelievable. All right, uh, Joe Weber, who covered the Hill for, what, five years? Yeah. So thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, uh, Joe Weber here on the show. Uh, what else? Uh, tomorrow on the show, oh, look, I get to read off prompter. Mallory Quigley uh, will be here. Uh, she's going to talk about uh, the Biden administration and this whole thing about, hey, have you, hold, have you heard about the life issue? I'll tell you about it tomorrow.